Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Today, I'm talking to Olivia from Organic Olivia. She has a really amazing story. So she was once on the path to becoming a doctor, but her own health issues led her to Chinese medicine and herbalism, and she healed herself naturally, and now she helps heal others with her herbal products. She is in school for herbalism. If you head over to her Instagram, which I highly recommend you do, um, or go to her YouTube or her website, She has such a devoted community, and she just puts out such valuable content. So go check that out. I am not going to do a long intro today because I'm sitting on my closet floor in New York. (laughs) It's the only way to escape the sirens and all of that New York City noise. So I'm just going to get to the episode. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, do all the things if you haven't already. I really, really appreciate the support, and if you like the podcast and you like what I'm doing here um, and you want to reciprocate, that's the best way to do it, to leave a review and to subscribe and, of course, share with all your friends. Enjoy the episode. I'm Arielle Laurie, and this is the Blonde Files podcast, where I talk to experts, influencers, and inspirational people in the world of wellness and beyond. Okay, so I'm here with Olivia. Welcome. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like this is perfect timing because <laughs> we were just talking about before my health is kind of like in peril right now. And so I'm really excited. I mean, that's really dramatic, but um, <laughs> no, but I'm but really excited to learn about like your own journey because, you know, I was reading all about your experience from when you were younger and to like kind of the breaking point and you were really in it as well. So, pretty, pretty dramatic. It seemed like you had a lot going on. So I'm really excited to hear kind of your journey to healing and talk about everything that you're doing now. And yeah, really get into it. And I feel like we have such a a similar kind of history, both having like such intense gut issues Mm -hmm. and then that in turn impacting the adrenals with these, like I saw your story before that you're exhausted, that the jet lag is really hard on you. And that's just like, of course, we're burnt out. Mm -hmm. But it's also like the inflammation from the gut that's driving that. Because when the body's inflamed 24-7, the HPA axis, our fight or flight mode, is also activated all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, I did the organic acid test and I told you that, you know, I had toxicity and I had the um, bacterial overgrowth, but I also had like whatever, I don't know exactly what was secreting, but when you have a lot of dopamine and serotonin, which happens when you're really stressed. Yeah. So yeah, my cortisol is like off the charts, I'm sure. And I think I also have like estrogen dominance because I'm not getting rid of it. And mm-hmm. so yeah, there's a whole plethora. <laughs> yeah. It's never just one thing, never. especially when it's like coming from your gut, right? It affects everything. Yeah. And I mean, so. dysbiotic bacterial overgrowths in the gut will actually recirculate estrogen mm-hmm. on that level right through the intestinal wall. So um, yeah, it's it's like such a cycle and that's what we keep coming back to and all the conversations I'm having in LA are like, wow, it all is just this web that's interconnected. And when you can at least understand the body like that, it makes things easier because it validates you in a way where you're like, right. okay, this makes sense. Even down to the stress, like that's why stress imbalances your hormones. It's a whole access. I mean, axis. <laughs> See, I can't talk either. It's a whole axis. It's Monday. 
<laughs> it is Monday. Wow. I'm like, what? How long have I been here? What are these palm trees? <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I think that there's um, definitely like power in, in understanding that, but it can also be so overwhelming because then it's like, where do I start? And like, I know for me, it's kind of felt like whack-a-mole. And in, in, in one aspect, I kind of feel like, I feel like there's always going to be something that's just being a human, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily always being sick, but um, my experience has been kind of that whenever like I take care of one thing, another thing can pop up. So absolutely. And yeah. isn't it like that in life too? It's like, I was totally. just talking to my boyfriend last night, like right now I'm on this work tip and like recording my podcast and mm-hmm. going, 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 but then your relationship suffers in a way because then that takes a back seat. So yeah. it's like when my relationship's really good, maybe I'm not so focused in my work. So everything it's, life really is about balance as annoying and cliche as that is to say because it's like okay how do I actually achieve that Mm -hmm. but it's yeah that that's really what it is it's a dance and it's staying fluid and juicy and open to how can I pivot yeah I love that I love that it's a dance because I think when we hear balance we feel like we have to have everything perfect whereas we have to be malleable and sometimes it is going to be the career and sometimes it is going to be the relationship and Mm -hmm. Um, just being able to kind of be flexible mm-hmm. is so important and be like patient, right? And like kind to ourselves that we're not, we don't have to do it perfectly. So, so I want to rewind and hear about kind of your health journey. And um, so maybe let's like rewind and sure. tell, tell me about young Olivia. <laughs> young Olivia. Oh my goodness. So um, our little sweet Olivia, she was raised on a lot of processed foods you know this was the 90s when we really didn't know a lot better um and so like my breakfasts were either cereal or um microwaved jimmy jean breakfast sausages or bagels like a lot of gluten and dairy the two Mm -hmm. things i do not eat now for my gut right (laughs) like but we didn't know this back then um and so growing up i was always overweight my parents were overweight and in some ways, you know, they, they still do struggle with their weight. Like my mom had gastric bypass surgery. So this is just like a, a theme in our family. Um, and I just had a lot of health issues just from the jump. Like I had severe anxiety from as far back as I can remember. I was in therapy in pre-K for being afraid that like the PA system the next morning was going to call me and say I'm in trouble. Um, and I started going to therapy for that. And I just thought that that was normal because that's what my parents were dealing with. And really, it's like, okay, sure, we can say these things run in a family, but like habits and lifestyle are more what run in a family and more what we learn and even attitudes about ourselves and negative thoughts and and neural pathways of um, punishing self-talk in many ways, which also feed inflammation. But that's a whole (laughs) that's a whole paradigm Mm -hmm. talk. (laughs) Um, So basically, I thought this was normal. I had a lot of recurring infections like I was always on antibiotics I was always drinking the delicious pink liquid of antibiotics um, amoxicillin and I was just put on a lot of pharmaceuticals and it was like one after the other after the other antidepressants um, you know I, I went into a lot of detail in my like my story podcast episode that we just recorded so I don't want to take up this whole episode doing that but basically I I eventually developed gut issues that presented as IBS. That's what I was diagnosed with. And all they could tell me was, you know, IBS is just this blanket term. We don't really know what it means. It's just a syndrome. It means you're having these symptoms, but like we're doing these scans and we did the stool test and we see nothing wrong with you. And this was like, you know, your classic conventional doctor stool test. And I was just left like, okay, well, this, I must just be broken, right? Like, this is just how it is. I was also put on antispasmodic drugs for that because I was having really um, consistent, painful, like spasm reactions to foods like yogurt and peanut butter specifically. I would like be on the floor with these spasms. So I got on antispasmodics. Um, again, was like I got acne all of a sudden and um, the digestive issues and the acne, like now looking back, like, hello, the gut skin axis, the gut brain axis, like, again, these connections are real. And it's important that we validate them. And when we look back at each of our own stories, we kind of put the puzzle pieces together for our young selves. And we're like, don't worry, like, it's it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you were suffering. And mm-hmm. that's really the compassion I have for younger me who didn't have these answers. Um, so 
I was on doxycycline for my acne and always on antibiotics and it would get better a little bit in the beginning and then I would get off them and it would just come back 10 times worse. But in the back of my mind, I always had this thought of like, okay, but they're giving me antibiotics for acne. So it must be something with a bacteria or an infection. Like, it, could there be this connection? Because I'm taking these, I'm swallowing them, they're going to my gut. Like, what's, where is this deeper connection? So I, I started kind of questioning and getting curious, but I was still really trusting my doctors. And um, eventually I entered my senior year of high school and I started to learn about nutrition. I don't even remember what it was that kind of got me onto that tip, but I just started to read about this whole new discovery that was being publicized that, oh my goodness, your food can change your mental health, your brain, your thoughts. It can help. And I had never, you know, I had asked doctors about this and they're like, oh, food triggering your IBS? No. Food triggering your mood? No. You just need an antidepressant. You have a chemical imbalance. Um, so... I started experimenting with that. I cut out gluten and dairy. I started eating like these small meals frequently of real foods. Like I would have half a banana and almonds at school instead of like a fiber one bar that had 75 ingredients because I was trying to eat low calorie because I remember that part of this puzzle was the weight piece. Mm -hmm. So in sixth grade, just to rewind for a sec, was the first time that I ever um, went to Weight Watchers with my mom. We were both like really trying to do this. And, you know, my parents, we, they had always tried to go on diets in the house. And it was always a we'll start tomorrow, we'll start Monday thing. Um, and even like at one point, I'll, I remember my mom was like, oh, well, let's just go to CVS and like buy all of our favorite stuff. We'll buy those like spicy spiral Fritos and um, M&Ms and we'll just eat as much as we can tonight because we're totally going to start our diet tomorrow. And so like I kind of took on this like binge eating restricting behavior from someone who was very well-meaning and also had this same issue and didn't know how to help herself um and was trying to help me in her way but that wasn't working for her and it definitely didn't work for me mm -hmm. so going to Weight Watchers at a really young age um I started to associate food with points and food with calories and food with my daily allotment and mm -hmm. like my daily limit like all of these little tiny attitudes about food that just seep in and seep in and, and go really deep and they're so hard to muck up and get out. And so, um, yeah, I I noticed that now I was eating these real foods and not thinking about calories in my senior year. And I started to naturally just, my weight would balance out and I wanted to go to the gym and I could do the elliptical for longer and I wasn't as inflamed and my skin would get a lot better, especially when I was consistently exercising. Um, and so my IBS and my skin stuff never fully went away, but this was the first time that I saw something that I'm doing is helping. And some there's a piece of this puzzle here that we're not being told, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so um, that was like the best year of my life up until that time. And then because I was so passionate about nutrition and like wanted to learn more for my own benefit and for others' benefit, I wanted to really teach women the same things that I was learning um, and young girls that were struggling and on SSRIs and just being fed to the system. So I wanted to study nutrition in college, but I didn't really have a lot of money to pay for a great college. So I kind of had to go with the one that I got a scholarship for and that college did not offer nutrition as a major. So I decided to go pre-med instead. <laughs> I was like, screw it. Um, I'm very pitta, as we say in Ayurveda. So I'm like, I'll go all in. I'll be a doctor <laughs> and I'm going to help people that way. And like, yeah. So I did that. I entered the pre-med program. And clearly, as we can hear from my health journey thus far my body's very sensitive and i'm very mm -hmm. sensitive to stress and adrenal weakness gets passed down as we can see from the paradigm of chinese medicine and um all of these things so it's i didn't have this great big reserve for stress and so what they do the first year of um pre-med is that they try to hit you with as many classes and as much um as big of a pile of work as possible to weed out the people that aren't serious and aren't committed to basically sacrificing themselves for a few years to to get this career. And it was way too much for me. And um, 
at that time mono was going around at my school and I started to feel really weird like I already had these issues but now I wasn't eating right because I'm stressed all the time and don't have time to prep um but I started coming down with these weird symptoms like swollen lymph nodes I had swollen lymph nodes in my groin I had a cyst on my groin like these things that they definitely weren't mono like all my classmates had but there was like something manifesting um and it was to the point where I was like keeling over in the shower like I was fainting I couldn't put my hands above my head to wash my hair I just was like mom something is wrong like for real wrong so I would go to the doctor the same doctor who all these years had been giving me these meds at like 7 a.m before my 8 a.m science classes started and they would just keep saying you know we don't really know what's going on with you your liver enzymes are like through the roof so there's some kind of inflammation or infection present but like we can't find it necessarily so we're just going to give you antibiotics in case because i do suspect that there's something so i started on the antibiotics and meanwhile i'm still on other meds and it was just too much for my body and obviously my liver's already inflamed your liver is what processes pharmaceuticals <clears throat> excuse me so basically i i just started feeling like itchy and and like like something was wrong with my liver and now like we know that itchiness and sallowness like that's basically early signs of jaundice so we were not okay so i called my doctor um in between my break from class he wasn't available and in a few minutes i got an email from him like it's epstein-barr virus it's not a bacterial infection stop taking the antibiotic like it's too much um that's what's going on and we have nothing for you basically we don't we don't give anything to treat a virus So I just felt so frustrated and alone and isolated and like I had been being given the runaround for years. Like, why aren't there answers? Like, why am I getting sick all the time? Why is it that this keeps happening to me? Like, this is not just a one-off thing. I always feel this way. I always come down with these infections. What's going on here? You have to have something else for me. Um, And my stomach issues were flaring more than ever at this point. I couldn't, I remember like that morning I had chugged prune juice because I couldn't even go to the bathroom. Mm. And I just like ran out of class. I got into my car and I Googled Chinese medicine store near me. Like I still to this day, I talk about it so much. It's my favorite thing to study in school. I just have this love for Chinese medicine. And I think that was just like spirit, the universe Mm -hmm. kind of like whispering in my ear because I didn't know much about it at that time, but I just had heard. It's like a moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, Chinese medicine uh, practitioner or like acupuncturist near me. And I found this place like in Mount Vernon, which is a town right next to Yonkers where I live. And I walked in and the guy was like, oh no, he's like, stick your tongue out. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Stick my tongue out. So I did. And he's like, oh, your liver, you have so much damp heat in your liver. And I'm like, how did you know? Like, you're not even looking at my lab test. This is crazy. Like, could this be a coincidence? And um, yeah, he just was like, we're going to give you basically you have damp heat. So we're going to give you these like nice cooling and drying herbs to help get rid of some of that heat. And in that paradigm, again, of traditional Chinese medicine, heat would be something like an infection. Dampness in the spleen or the stomach would be gut dysbiosis, for Mm -hmm. example, and bloating and that stickiness. Um, So I started taking these herbs and he was like, oh, and you have like fungus and parasites in your gut too. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've never even been out of the country. I've never been on a vacation other than to like Rhode Island. (laughs) So that's where I'm from, by the way. No Yay. way. What a synchronicity. <laughs> yeah, I know. So funny. Ooh, okay. We got some spirit with us now. Um, so yeah, I just I took these herbs. I took what he said. I couldn't stop thinking about oh god, the parasites. Like, how did I get this? Could this be related to my IBS? What is going on? And I took his herbs, like he said, he said, put two ounces of this terrible tasting tea and two ounces of pure cranberry juice and do this for a week and and start taking this yeast cleanse that he gave me. It was like all these anti-fungal herbs. And I started getting better, like instantly, like within the next day, the boils and the cystic acne and the lymph nodes started just going down and they were less angry and they were less red. And I was so amazed and was like, this guy who looked at my tongue could help me more than my family doctor that's been treating me since I was a baby 
that I thought knew best for me. Mm -hmm. And not to shit on Western medicine either, because like now I'm at a point where I'm back in balance and I'm like, okay, we can work together. We need each other. Western medicine is totally necessary. Don't mean to like, you know, have this anti-doctor thing. That's definitely not me. But at that time I did feel like things were just being hidden. And, And still to this day, I think there's a lot that we're not told in the interest of pharmaceuticals and money and all that stuff. So I basically just uh, stuck with that. I started reading more about herbs and just um, self-teaching and studying and um, trying things on myself, being a guinea pig. And I quickly realized that staying in this pre-med program and becoming a doctor and treating people that way and having to go by what insurance allows you to do to treat people was not going to be the path that was right for me to help people the way I wanted to help them. So I... um, dropped pre-med. It was the best thing I ever did. I got my life back. I started studying psychology instead. I still finished college and I started my blog and I started sharing my my journey as the guinea pig, basically. Um, everything I was finding out and everything that was working for me and how I was healing my gut and how like, guess what? I took these parasite herbs and I actually did see parasites come out. And by the way, I took those pictures to that same doctor and he said, I, I can't really talk to you about this, but there is a doctor in the city who can find parasites and anyone who walks through his door hears his number. Chow. Like that's what your that's your, what your GP said. Wow. So he was kind of like, I'm all for you, like on right. this journey of self-discovery and holistic <laughs> medicine, but that's not my shtick. And yeah. like I that's not something I'm willing to even explore because I have my way of treating and helping people. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And that's fine. Um, but he did kind of at least give me the hope of like, oh, but someone else out there is like also digging deeper and being weird and parasite-y. So (laughs) I think that this is so important for people to hear because something that you said like really resonated, like when you're dealing with these issues and you're going to different doctors and I've been through it too. I've, I was put on SSRIs. I was put on steroids for two and a half years. Nobody ever thought to look at nutrition. I was diagnosed with IBS and you said that it feels so lonely and isolating mm. and that's like exactly it because you feel like we know our body's best, right? And we know when something is wrong and when people keep telling us either it's in our head or it's just IBS or, you know, it's it's like makes you kind of feel a little bit crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. And it does. Something that you said was that there's a cause for a cause for every effect, right? Something like that. Yeah, there, there's a root cause you can find that relates to every symptom right. that you have. It's so when we're told head. that it's just an effect, um, I think it's important for anybody listening who might be going through this and feeling that feeling of being alone and going hitting dead ends and, you know, that there is hope and you really have to, like, kind of be your own detective, right? And just keep going because there are answers. You, it's just about, like, finding the right fit and it is out there but it takes a lot of work yeah and not only is it even finding the right fit like waiting until you're with a practitioner that you trust whether it's a functional md a regular md a naturopath an herbalist you are the one who's hiring them you're Mm -hmm. the one who's paying them and you have the power to decide it's a little trickier if you're lower income and you're relying on insurance that's what i feel so much compassion for because that's exactly where i was you know i went to this herbalist in an herb shop but that's all I could start with at that time. So it gets really tricky at that point. But I think even then you can kind of shop around a little bit and find someone that listens to you. That is the basic requirement. Mm-hmm. And even further, sometimes it takes a bit of a team because like I kind of alluded to earlier, those those emotional and spiritual components of illness, you got to address those at some point too. So mm-hmm. it might be a team of you're seeing a therapist and you're seeing a functional doctor and maybe you're seeing a body worker or a massage therapist or a chiropractor, whatever it is that is kind of hitting all the, the facets and giving you this full picture of care. Um, you have to explore all of those avenues that we're told to, to totally shut off and shut down. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, like, how your experiences that you had growing up and kind of like being in that environment and the binge cycles and like, going to therapy, I was also put in therapy from a young age. And so like it was, I kind of always felt like I was like, because people were always trying to fix me, like that I was Mm. always broken. And that's something that I really carried into adulthood. And I'm curious, like how that kind of affected your health if it did and like how you carry that with you and then like how you've dealt with it since. I really love that you 
put a name to that, that you identify that, that um, we we take in that attitude of I'm I'm broken, I'm wrong for mm-hmm. feeling this way, so I need to be fixed, I need to go see a doctor for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is an attitude that is also kind of carried into maybe a bit of our modern wellness industry too of like the self-help and like constantly Mm -hmm. having a project and like being fixing something improving something like well every day like you said is is balance like having to do every single thing every single day like no sometimes it's getting to a place of acceptance first before you even seek out the care and the quote-unquote fixing which by the way should be again a collaboration between you and a a trusted practitioner or a team to not fix but bring that awareness into that root that cause and and not even fix but explain validate see it and then be able to act because you have seen it Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i think in my experience at least like healing starts with radical acceptance Mm, oh i love it like if radical acceptance and radical honesty yeah yeah so let's kind of go back to like your breaking point and Chinese medicine and why you chose that. Yeah. So, you know, it's Chinese medicine is often the the paradigm or the lens in which I view patterns that I see in people, especially now in herbalism school. I'm in my third year. I'm becoming a practitioner, a clinical herbalist. So I'm seeing people one-on-one and my job is not to treat or diagnose. That is not what we do. But my job is to notice certain patterns. And I just feel like, you know, there's a reason we're still using TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, to this day. There's a reason that people still go to acupuncturists because it works and it's time tested and it's ancient and it makes a lot of sense. And to me, that lens was the most empowering one because it gave me this, again, this explanation. To me, information is comfort. And I feel like using that lens to be like okay instead of like oh you have this gut infection which often can make you feel a bit like dirty or again broken like you need to be fixed it's like all right there's a bit of dampness in the spleen it's all good like we're just going to use some like drying spicy ginger cinnamon um you know herbs that help to protect the spleen that's way more palatable when you (laughs) say it that way (laughs) and we're going to use some bitters to make sure that we're clearing the heat from the spleen, the mm-hmm. quote-unquote infection. Um, and then looking at it that way as well gives you all these really tools, all these really great tools because you're like, okay, how else can I protect my spleen? Like, you know, it doesn't mean your actual Western anatomical spleen. It means um, it refers to like the cooking pot that transforms your nutrients from your food that digests your food. So it's like, okay, I'm I'm now seeing it as a conversation not of like how can I kill this infection or like heal my broken adrenals or blah 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 or like heal my digestion and fix it it's how can I protect this organ meridian that like gives me this life this chi from my food like what are the things that support the spleen what are the activities that support the spleen so it's looking at a person as um seeing their strengths and seeing maybe where there is a little bit of weakness and how you can support that, make it stronger so that the person is stronger. Because really herbal medicine is when a person, when the terrain is strong, when the person is resilient, these things don't stick as much. These infections can't really stick around because we're secreting our digestive acids, because we're getting that hydrochloric acid, that bile release. Those are our natural protective mechanisms to, to keep these bugs and these overgrowths out of those areas so when the person is strong and all of those things are functioning it's like sometimes you don't even need to worry about that and they Mm self-correct so it's making the individual strong instead of picking out all the little things that's wrong with the individual Mm -hmm. i love that so i know everybody is so different but is there anything that you can say like universally Mm -hmm. we should be doing to support our bodies and support like all of our functions Universally, I think that we're living in a world of stress. I talk Mm -hmm. about the HPA axis constantly. I think that that's like becoming the new theme of my life and what I want to teach. And so universally, I do think that adaptogens are really wonderful, but I also don't think like you have to go out and buy a trendy adaptogen powder and put it in your coffee and whatever. I think it's like spend time either with an herbalist, right, which I love, or, you know, someone who a naturopath who can find the right adaptogen or blend for you 
Or if you want to go the self-educate route, since I'm still that like little rebel and that's how I did it and that's how I started experimenting, I'm down with that too. Get a really great book on adaptogens. For example, um, David Winston, a really wonderful herbalist, just launched the second edition of his book on adaptogens. You can get it on Amazon. And uh, that book goes through a, a little mini monograph or like a deep dive into all these adaptogens that he talks about. And when you read the story and the actions and the energetics of each one, you can see yourself in one of them and you can find the one that resonates with you and your needs and that works for you and that you connect with as a friend and you can bring that one into your life. So it's about making it really personalized too, just like a practitioner would um, and about learning and educating yourself about these herbs and about these tools. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of want to break down a little bit like some of the different things like hormones and mm-hmm. gut health and all of that because, you know, I had so many questions and because we are kind of on a time crunch, I don't <laughs> think we're going to totally get to all of them. Um, but let's kind of talk about um, if somebody is having issues and they don't know where to start, mm-hmm. where where do you think the best place is to start? Like what should you treat first? Is it the gut? Because mm-hmm. it kind of it's like a domino effect and affects everything or would it be like adrenals or that's a really good question um and there's a few different answers that i can that are like running through my mind right now so first i really like um optimizing sleep and digestion Mm -hmm. those are the foundations of health right like our what we're because it's not what you eat it's what you absorb so you got to make sure that you're actually getting what you're trying to get from all your wonderful, expensive Erewhon food that we're all <laughs> eating right now. Um, and number two is optimizing your sleep because that's when you're repairing and that's when you're restoring and that's when you're building that energy back. And that's when that's what's helping you to have those nice juicy hormones and um, to lower your cortisol and that autophagy process of cleaning the waste and the cancer cells while we sleep. So that has to be a really nice, deep, restful process as well. So I would start with looking at those, um, kind of taking stock of like almost asking yourself questions the way that I would ask a client questions in an intake. Like, I've, I mean, I've never really said this out loud, but this is kind of like what the answer to your question that's coming up is, is kind of like, OK, how is my digestion? How do I feel before meals? Like, do I actually feel hungry? Am I eating when I'm not hungry um, during the meal? Am I being present with my food? after the meal? Am I bloating? Um, Am I feeling really tired and sleepy? Does it feel like the food's just sitting there? How often am I using the bathroom? Like just taking stock and like you said, radical acceptance and honesty, like how am I doing there? And maybe if I just start there so that it doesn't feel so big and huge and overwhelming, that can create this cascade of like chain reactions. Um, And same with the sleep. Like am I getting to sleep easily or do I need to like listen to something or have the TV on to fall asleep? Am I winding down properly? Um, Am I looking at my phone and doing work emails before bed? Am I waking up in the middle of the night? And just getting curious and looking at those as our basic, again, how can I support those? Not like, oh, these are, these are wrong. Like there's something wrong here. It's just like, okay, what are the steps I could take to, to kind of tweak these a little bit? Um, and something I really like, an easy practice that everyone listening can take home is using digestive bitters. Um, I make a blend of digestive bitters called digestive juice, but you can, any food that's bitter is a digestive bitter. That's why all these cultures around the world, like um, in Italy, they'll do endives before a meal or they'll have like an aperitif, like a drink that's a little bit bitter before a meal because it gets your digestive juices flowing. The bitter flavor on the tongue, even though it's not all that pleasant and we're not used to it because we're all eating sweet and savory things, um, that flavor will stimulate the vagus nerve to relax, to get you into parasympathetic mode so that you can actually rest and digest and so that you are secreting those digestive fluids that are now going to help with your gut dysbiosis and the digestion and absorption of the meal that you're eating. Mm -hmm. So digestive bitters are a really nice, just um, a little thing that you can pop in there, whether you're using a tincture or a spray or you're just eating some bitter foods before a meal. Yeah, I love that you're kind of talking about like not only what we eat, but how we eat. Mm. Because a huge thing for me was like the person that I was working with when I was healing my gut said um, a lot of my bloating. Yes, I had dysbiosis and, and pathogens, but 
I was also eating in front of the TV or, yeah. or looking at my phone and checking my email and probably not really chewing. Mm, and Chewing. Yeah. <laughs> what a concept. Right? And and like, I never really thought about that, but I was not in my, my parasympathetic nervous system. I was in a heightened state mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. was kind of in like autopilot. And I think a lot of us are today. We're not, you know, we're eating at work. We're eating in our cars. We're on the go. Mm-hmm. Um so I love that you said that. And also like about the sleep, I think so many people want the answer to be like a supplement, diet and exercise. <laughs> yes. And I was just going to say that, like I, when you asked that question, my first thought was like, oh my God, like what herb can I tell her? But really, and, and like, I'm someone who has a supplement line. So it's like, I, and I'm saying this with that in mind of like, usually that's not the first thing you need. Mm-hmm. Usually it's your own behavior and how beautiful and how freeing is it that simply getting yourself into parasympathetic mode whether it's a bitter food or whether it's five really deep belly breaths how beautiful is it that that is the most powerful first step before you even need to go and buy a 30 dollars supplement right yeah and it kind of comes back to like mindfulness like being mindful of what what and how you're eating how you're sleeping um I'm curious, like, I'm curious if meditation is something that you practice. Yeah, that question's been coming up a lot. Also, I just want to give a fun little tidbit because you had mentioned um, eating in front of the TV, watching Mm -hmm. TV, looking at your phone. In Chinese medicine, again, there's these concepts of the organ meridians. So we have the liver, um, liver slash gallbladder, spleen slash stomach. And there's this wheel of the five elements and we look at which organ meridian nurtures and is the mother of other organs and then which ones can attack each other when one is overstimulated. So the liver opens into the eyes. Hmm. And so when you're watching something and paying so much attention to something with your eyes and overstimulating your liver by overstimulating your eyes while you're trying to eat and digest with your spleen and stomach, the liver will attack the spleen. And that is what will create a lot of digestive issues as well. So just I think that that connection to me is is one of the most motivating things, because remember, like I said, information to me is power. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once I learned that, I was like, okay, I really am going to try to stop eating in front of the TV and my phone. Um, And then what is the question that you just asked? I don't remember. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) Oh, I think I said... um... That it kind of all like seemed related to mindfulness, being mindful. Oh, you asked and... if I meditate. Yeah. So back to your question on meditation. I've also been talking about this a lot since I've gotten to LA because I think everyone's like, oh, we'll just meditate every morning. That's <laughs> going like, to cure your life. And for me, sitting in a corner and being really quiet and silent and still and like trying to clear my mind doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you tell people that, or even when you say like, oh, try meditating, it's almost like a turn off of like, okay, I'm going to stop listening now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so many people have tried that. And so many people have trouble being alone and being still and being with their own thoughts. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's actually really hard. Let's not even start there. Let's think about meditation as an active process and an active practice. Um, and let's think about things that we can do that are meditative. And I was just having a conversation earlier about Um, Going back to the things we did as children that brought us that joy and that flow and that presence of like just being there and now, that mindfulness um, and and doing those things, whether it's playing, whether it's walking, whether it's singing, um, whether it's journaling, all of those things can be a meditation as long as you're fully there. Mm -hmm. And just flexing that muscle of presence is so healing in itself. Mm -hmm. Kind of going back to childhood, um, I wanted to talk to you about healing trapped emotional trauma. Mm. Um, I don't know if, I think I saw that you talked about it on your website, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm curious like how you healed the things that you went through in childhood. And um, again, like I've had experience, I had a big trauma like seven years ago Mm -hmm. and and my body just, my brain shut down and I didn't deal with it for many years. Mm -hmm. And then when all of this started happening was when I was starting to process the trauma too. So I don't think that it was a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been working on kind of releasing that, but um, there is a major correlation between (laughs) old wounds and health issues. 
And we have to be careful for sure opening those back up. And that mm-hmm. goes back to the practitioner trust. Because I think for me, um, the two things that have really helped me the most are, one, going to therapy. I did um, EMDR for some of my childhood stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, you're doing EMDR and you're actually asked to bring that trauma back up and kind of go through it. And how did you feel in that moment? And kind of you're being asked to revisit that place so that your brain can then compartmentalize it in a way and can shift it over to no longer being an active threat and can think of it as a long-term memory that's over and now we can process. So I love the um, paradigm of EMDR and it was very effective for me. But again, you have to make sure that you're ready and willing to do that. Um, And while you're doing it, I think you need to complement releasing it from the mind and the psyche with releasing it from the body. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, body work, especially massage, Um, and stretching and opening up my hips where women store a lot of trauma, but specifically massage and body work from someone who, um, like I had a massage therapist who was a shaman and a Reiki master, and he really helped me a lot because he was like actively kind of pulling shit out of my soul. Like he would Mm. be like making noises of pain and he would go to certain areas of the body that correlate with certain types of trauma, like resentment against the, the mother Um, And like he would get to that area and start crying sometimes. And so like having someone that can hold that space for you and help to get that out of your body, but actual physical manipulation in a way um, that can complement the fact like it's coming out here. So now it's coming out here. Mm -hmm. How did you did you see your health change when you were going through that? Absolutely. Um, I, I was actually able to lose a little bit of extra weight that I was carrying around this year very, very, very slowly Mm -hmm. um, and in a way without really trying. Like, yes, I kind of was more mindful of what I was eating and like remembering that, okay, even if I'm eating like the most organic, healthy food, like you still can also overdo it in that sense. Um, But I think a lot of it kind of just started when I when I began doing that and releasing those things and began getting happier and more in my body like I was avoiding my body so much avoiding things like exercise or massage or um, breathing or like stretching like I wasn't doing those things because I didn't want to be with my body so Mm -hmm. once I gave the body more awareness and more attention and more time and usually for me that looks like walking like that's my main exercise I lift a little weight sometimes but I was really just walking but my body has totally transformed this year and again without going back to my old calorie counting Weight Watchers ways just really happened naturally through releasing all that stuff and through like seeing her again, Mm -hmm. like really like looking at myself, looking at my body, loving my body, self-touch, self-massage. I always tell people like literally taking time to massage yourself or do gua sha on your face and like touch your own face, touch Mm -hmm. your own skin. Like that is so healing. And often like you talked about binge eating earlier when I feel that like emptiness where I just want to eat and like stuff myself down with food, if I do that and if I massage my face and do gua sha, that feeling just naturally subsides. Wow. Yeah, it's it's the I most powerful thing. Yes. So speaking of all of that, what is your lifestyle like today? I know <laughs> you talk about it a lot on your site and you have so many helpful tips, but um, what are the like non-negotiables? Ooh, non-negotiables many hours of sleep like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll sleep for just like 10 hours unapologetically I wish I could do that and I know when I I try that's gonna change I know like with my work schedule now even in LA like that's Mm -hmm. changing a little bit um but sleep for me is sacred Mm -hmm. and like I protect that at all costs yeah um so that's number one number two is nutrition and not not only in the way of like making sure that I have the foods that I know really work well with my body Um, and also part of that is like not adopting other people's diet paradigms of like, Mm -hmm. okay, great. Like you're vegan or you're on this journey and you think this is the best diet or you're keto, but like, that doesn't have to be me. I'm going to listen to my own body and I'm going to eat my grass fed organic red meat. And I'm going to do all these things that make me feel really good, totally unapologetically. So figuring out what that is, owning that, feeding that to my body without, you know, any concern. And which is like true intuitive eating, by the way. (laughs) Yes, that really is. Um, And nutrition in terms of like looking to the plants as an herbalist um, for that nutrition as well, because there's so much richness that the plants have to offer us. And if we just know how to use that and harness that, 
it can change everything. So like right now, sitting with you, I just drank this oat straw infusion. And oat straw is like the seedless um, stalk of the oat plant that often just gets like thrown away basically because we eat the seeds as oatmeal. Um, But oat straw infusions are like the richest source of all these different minerals of magnesium. Like talk about a bioavailable magnesium supplement that doesn't break the bank. Like this is it. Um, and nettle leaf is another one. Like if you just get, you can get nettle leaf for such a great price, organic nettle leaf, a huge, like five pound bag of it that'll last you forever. And just every night before bed, you just take a large Mason jar, you pack it a third to halfway full with the nettle leaf plant material, cover it with boiling water, seal the Mason jar, leave it on the counter. It takes five minutes. When you wake up in the morning, it'll be ready because it had all that time overnight to, um, extract all of those minerals from the plant. And then you just sip on that throughout the day. That is like the best supplement for hair loss, for any type of women's issues, Um, has a ton of minerals, not only like magnesium, calcium, silica, but it's just so wonderful. And like, that's a supplement too. So Mm -hmm. it's like changing the way that I see that. And then of course, like also targeting my actual supplements and my actual herbs. Cause again, I, I do that for a living. I love them. But um, making sure that the other ones, like I said, the sleep and the nutrition come first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you talk about your line? And Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, so I started a, a like little apothecary, I like to call it. Um, and I'm working on kind of having a formula for everyone, like something for everyone's needs. So I, I have a subset of the line called my juices because usually tinctures of plants are in an alcohol base mm-hmm. um which like doesn't taste all that good and a lot of people don't want to consume alcohol or they're in recovery and it just doesn't taste good like i said like i just yeah. don't love it yeah. so um we use glycerin instead vegetable glycerin so it still gives you the same potency as like a liquid tincture that gets absorbed really well um but it tastes really good because vegetable glycerin is naturally sweet um, it's accessible to a wider audience of people. It's easier to stick to because you actually want to take it and it tastes good. Um, we do have two alcohol-based tinctures in the line because you just can't really get the best out of those dense woody roots without it. So I do make an exception, but I try to do glycerin as much as possible. Um, and the juices, I have a brain juice, a liver juice, and even though they're herbal tinctures, I call them the juices because they taste good. But mm-hmm. we have something for everything, a peach juice for anxiety, a digestive juice, which is the bitters blend. You just spray it on your tongue five to ten sprays before a meal. And it really helps to rub up your appetite and get those juices flowing. Um, and I'm coming out with a kid's line now. It's coming oh. soon, like in a few weeks. So we're about to have 23 different products. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank oh, my you. goodness. So how did you learn all of that just in your years at school? Yeah, in my years at school and in my self-study years, Mm -hmm. like just using these herbs on myself, figuring out what worked, asking around, playing around, um, and like even shadowing practitioners and working with people who who know this better than I do, asking what works for this? What are your go-to herbs for balancing blood sugar and people who need that? What are your go-to herbs for stress? Learning about the adaptogens, reading those books, like the David Winston book, like... Mm -hmm. There's so much power in the self-knowledge and like the the time that you dedicate to your craft on your own. And then when I was ready, I went to school as well. And and since then, it's like it's just exploded. And now I have a million formula ideas. Um, and I also have co-formulated a lot of mine with my manufacturer, who's been a clinical herbalist for 30 years. So having like a partner to do that with, to overlook every single formula that me, the baby herbalist, came up <laughs> with, he's like, well we're going to tweak this. We're going to add a little bit of this here. We're going to put this to 20%. So, you know, really going to the people who, who know what they're doing and not being afraid to like lose that ego there and ask for help to create the best product line you possibly can. I'm going to ask you probably an impossible question. Okay, go for it. (laughs) But if you could only pick one or like if, if you had to recommend one for people to start with, and again, I know like everybody's Mm. issues are so different. Um, Mm. I would go with mood juice um, just because it's near and dear to my heart. I I don't take SSRIs anymore. Mm -hmm. I know that that's not right for everybody either. Like you do your own thing. I would never judge. Um, But for those who are not on an SSRI because you can't combine the plants in there with um, a pharmaceutical. But 
if you're just looking for that support to just help on those darker days and to just make things a little brighter, that formula is so beautiful. And it has really fresh St. John's wort that we get from a family farm in New Mexico. I've been there. I have pictures on the site of it on my Instagram highlights. Um, just such a wonderful family. They were actually like big time lawyers in New York and they were like, we're retiring and we actually want to do something meaningful. Like we're, we're giving back and not just like litigating these people and focusing on money. And they bought this biodynamic farm and they grow exclusively for my manufacturer. Wow. So that St. John's where like when I felt it in person and you see that bright yellow and that like solar energy and light in that flower that just brings that same light into your psyche. Like you understand, you get that greater understanding of how these plants work. Um, and that formula is just really close to my heart. Really beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to have to try that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you one. I got you, girl. What's in it? You didn't really mention what's in mood juice. Oh, of course. So we have um, some St. John's wort, which I just mentioned, the flower. We have um, some kava root, which is really common because I find also with uh, a low mood, again, I, I have to be careful with my language, obviously, but with like someone who needs some mood support, often you also need some support for some tension and um, some nervousness and all that good stuff. So kava root is really calming to both physical and mental tension so i love having that in there um we have some mother wort in there as well which is like a big hug from mom um and it's just a really like gentle uplifting balancing formula yeah sounds right up my alley <laughs> sounds like i need it right now <laughs> i got you boo but I would love to like see and like obviously do a deep dive into like how is your digestion? Like yeah. how often are you pooping? Like what's your sleep yeah. like? Um, <laughs> uh, and look at all of these root cause factors. But I think for you, our adrenal recovery formula would be really nice and mm -hmm. definitely the digestive juice. Since you have that mm -hmm. gut dysbiosis, I would really want you to be on some gentle bitters that just kind of start to get these things flowing. Because again, even just releasing more bile can be so wonderful for the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, just kind of suppressing that a bit and making things flow better and can even just the digestive juice like I do have a formula for constipation but the digestive juice often is just enough to correct constipation in people mm -hmm. um, due to digestive deficiency right I know that um, at least my audience on Instagram mm -hmm. so many people are diagnosed with SIBO yeah so, it's exploding for sure yeah um, what is what protocol do you recommend so you'd really want to work with a practitioner who can be also monitoring, like, mm -hmm. is this working? Do we need to pivot? Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's something where you want to have that support, but definitely some temporary diet changes, like the low FODMAP, so that you can stop feeding those certain species that are having a party with that fiber. Um, I had to start that <laughs> last week, but I was on, I was gone, so it was kind of hard yes. uh, this week. Um, yeah, on it. <laughs> but also like I, I don't like doing that forever because then it's like you're missing out on those fibers mm -hmm. for when you do need to start refeeding your your colony. So right. um, a really good probiotic. We do have a probiotic in the line that also has some digestive enzymes, which I do like when you're dealing with some dysbiosis because the enzymes will even help to kind of eat away at parasites as well if that's a factor. Um, but a, a good antimicrobial formula for mm -hmm. sure. I have a also a a parapro formula like a gut dysbiosis <laughs> but i don't want to be like oh blanket that's for everyone that has SIBO that's totally not my vibe like that's something that if your practitioner likes those ingredients for you and what you have going on based on your gi map and they choose that and can supervise you that's awesome i almost feel like that's like a nice practitioner formula mm -hmm. um but definitely having that of like the the probiotics as well um and even like looking into a bit of a low histamine diet as well with the FODMAP because sometimes when you have bacterial overgrowths, the the histamine response from those bugs and then adding high histamine foods on top of that can just make all your symptoms and your inflammation so much worse and cause these mm -hmm. headaches and all that good stuff. So again, it's it's very individual with those triggers. I don't I don't want to give too many. Mm -hmm. Can you remind us what a histamine is and histamine foods? Oh it's man, I need my list on my phone. No, no, Damn. Just like really quickly, like aged foods, like um, yeah, like any foods that are high in histamine would be like anything that's aged, so like aged meats, um, even like some fermented dairy products. Um, there's a lot of nuts and fruits and vegetables that are high in histamine. So I would suggest just looking up a list on mm -hmm. Google of like um, high, low, high, moderate, and low foods, and kind of like 
and again, asking your practitioner, do you mm-hmm. think that's something I have an issue with? There's certain telltale signs. People right. can have like a histamine ear um, where like the top of their ear gets really red after they eat certain things. Wines and alcohols, unless it's tequila, will have high histamine as well. So <laughs> it was weird because when I was in New York last week, I had a day where I was podcasting all day. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan well ahead, so I didn't really eat anything. By the time I got back to my apartment, I was starving, and I ordered this salad that I always get, and mm-hmm. I always order it vegan. Well, they didn't, they delivered it to me with, like, tons of cheese on it, and I was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm Ooh, so hungry, yeah. and I don't eat dairy. Same. And I woke up the next morning. First of all, my gut was a mess. I was so bloated, and I had, like, eczema behind mm. my ears. It's it's amazing how fast that your body will tell you what it doesn't like. Um, That's a nice situation where you could do some digestive juice before bed. Like Mm -hmm. even and people that are gluten and dairy intolerant, like you'll see in the reviews, they're like, oh, my God, like it wasn't that bad when I had it this weekend because I was at a fair. And like, what else are you going to eat at a fair when you have no other options? I will say I just had a good SIBO moment pop into my head. So maybe I want to change my answer. Okay, not products from my line, but. (laughs) There's two things that you really need for SIBO, and that's um, one, to go longer in between meals. So that's going like four to five hours in between your meals and snacks, but to be consistent still. It's not like, oh, intermittent fast all morning and then, you know, eat all the things. It's have like these good portions. Go four to five hours because you're migrating motor complex, which is like the peristalsis that happens that helps to like wave and push that bacterial overgrowth. Um, needs to happen and that only happens in the absence of food in those breaks so give yourself time in between your meals to get hungry um, to promote that peristalsis and then two in order to further support that along with your antimicrobial protocol would be prokinetic agents which are also going to help to move things along and that's something as simple as ginger tea Mm -hmm. in the mornings I like to do ginger in the morning and daytime not at night it's too hot Um, and then also, something like Iberogast is something you can find on Amazon, which has a bunch of different like gut motility herbs and agents. So that is my herbalist educated brain turned on it. SIBO no. answer. <laughs> Those are great tips because I think, you know, again, a lot of people probably just hear go on antibiotics. Yeah. And I mean, that's what happened to me a couple of years ago when I was yeah. diagnosed with it. And this can Without be with even, your antibiotics. Right. You know, I'm not yeah. judging. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> um no, I um, God, I looked it up, but I don't remember. It's the hot one. I would say your your pitta with yeah. like a, a little bit of vata, but maybe it's like a vata imbalance currently because you're okay. traveling a lot. You're doing a lot of things. So mm-hmm. most of us have a vata imbalance. It's very rare to right. meet someone who doesn't. Okay. Mm. A what? Sure. Let me see your okay, wrist. Okay, we're gonna do. Okay. We're doing a wrist oh, check. What on. is this? <laughs> okay. So from taking your Ayurvedic pulse, yeah, it's like you you do the three fingers on your um, a woman. So I would do your left side, your feminine side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you take your three fingers and it's Vata, Pitta, Kapha. So starting from your pointer to your middle to your ring finger, you kind of dig in and press down really hard. Mm-hmm. And then you just pull up just a little bit. Like you're still keeping that pressure, but just a little bit. And you're feeling where that initial pulse is. And that's your Prakriti, which is your the dosha that you were born with Mm -hmm. your constitutional dosha um and so your my middle finger was like pulsing for you really you're a pitta like very like that that's someone who would be very prone to being a perfectionist and needing Uh, everything to mm. be perfect and look perfect (laughs) and like oh my gosh same i'm i'm kapha pitta Mm -hmm. and then you pull up to like the highest just gentle superficial level and then whatever's pinging there whether it's your um for you it was the pointer finger and the middle finger so Mm -hmm. When that doesn't match up with your prakriti, it's a bit of an imbalance. So your vata was there. You have a little bit of a vata imbalance. And your pitta was there, too. So you could have a little bit of a pitta imbalance, which, again, most pittas do because we like to do things that make us more pitta Mm -hmm. because we like being more of who we are. We don't like being imbalanced. (laughs) So what do I do? (laughs) Ooh, girl, we're going to avoid some spicy food as much as possible. (laughs) We're going to... We're going to try to be more kapha because you're mm-hmm. having the vata and the pitta. Let's try to embody more of the kapha, which is like, you know, a kapha person would be like slower and more stocky and like, mm-hmm. you know, eating a little bit richer foods, maybe healthier fats. Um, not like greasy and fried food, but more healthy fats um, and just like slowing down in life rather than like 
doing 700 things at once, which is the Vata imbalance. Weird. That's what I was just saying on my stories today, how I need to like pump the brakes because Mm. I I know that I'm like caught in this cycle of going zero to 100, getting run down. I take a couple days to kind of like rejuvenate, whatever, re-energize. And then as soon as I feel a little bit better, I go right back 100 miles per hour. And then I'm and then I regress back to like exactly where I was. So I'm trying to don't we all slow the F <laughs> down <laughs> vicious cycle because we're so yeah. excited like, oh, I have this energy and I have so much to give to the world mm-hmm. and I'm really inspired and I want to do this. But then it's also like my worth is not derived from being busy and doing these mm-hmm. things and accomplishing. It's it's from being. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to like what we started the podcast with, like full circle, like the balance thing and absolutely not trying, not having to be perfectly balanced, but just trying to, yeah. you know, be flexible and, yes. and adapt. I love it. So where can everybody find you? So you can find me on Instagram at organic underscore Olivia. Someone took the one without the underscore. Ugh, so and annoying. I bet they're like inactive. <laughs> they don't, and- <laughs> they don't post, like literally don't post. Um, Have you messaged Instagram? <laughs> no, I haven't. My website is organicolivia.com. Um, that's where we have our formulas as well in the shop. And my podcast is coming out yes. soon. We're here in LA filming for that. So it's going to be called What's the Juice? The Organic Olivia Podcast. So good. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait to hear it. You're such a wealth of knowledge. Thank and you. it was so good meeting you. Same here. And I wish we had another hour. but <laughs> <laughs> Next <All right>. time. <laughs> yes. Yes. When I'm in New York, maybe. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Thanks.